afternoon, America, and welcome to the Dean's List. I'm Dean Bowen. You are listening to America Out Loud Talk Radio. And aren't you just glad that, that you live in America? Aren't you Aren't you happy? For those of you that live in America, I realize uh, America Out Loud is, is, has a global reach. So some of you listening may not live in the freest country on the planet. And we are sorry for that. We wish that you did. America is still the freest country on the planet. And it's a great country. Only in America, I think, would you have kids stand up in in mass in unison, walk out of their classroom, walk out of their school building, because they are tired and fed up of sharing bathrooms with the with the other gender. Tired of it. And and we we're seeing that happen more and more now. In the past two weeks, we've documented two issues of that taking place. Only in America, uh, it's America is such a great country. Matter of fact, I think in the last segment, we're going to take a minute and we're just going to talk about America. I think we're going to have a just a quick uh, moment of, of, of a history lesson. I think we're going to step into a history lesson and we're just going to talk about the country because while the country is under attack, literally, Internally, there is a, a Marxist push, a Marxist attack happening. There is this Marxist attempt at, at taking over everything that the country holds near and dear, everything that, that the people value. You see it happening every single day. When we've watched it unfold on these college campuses since this situation between Hamas and Israel. We have watched it unfold. And we have documented here, you know, we've talked about woke Harvard. As a matter of fact, I'm holding an article right now, and this is this is from last week, so it's a couple of days old, but it is beautiful. Major law firms issue ultimatum to law schools. Stop producing anti-Semites. That's the ultimatum. Just stop it. Stop creating Jew-hating students at your law schools. Cease and desist. Virginia Cruda writes, a number of major law firms issued a letter to law schools across the United States, warning them that students involved in radical protests, specifically those who have gotten involved in anti-Semitic protests, are likely to face an uphill battle when they graduate and search for jobs. Uh, I mean, employers don't want this. They do not not only do they not want to hire an anti-Semite, they don't want to hire somebody who hates in general. And this is what's being promoted in upper level learning, certainly in these law schools. It's what's being promoted in K-12. Anywhere you find critical race theory, hatred is being promoted. Anytime that, that you're instructed on on how to evaluate a, a scenario or a situation based on race that's involved in that situation, the, the foundation of that instruction is hatred. Mm-hmm. It, it's hatred towards someone else who is a different color than you. Yeah. Uh, employers don't want that. They don't want to hire people who hate. You know who they want to hire? They want to hire people who care about each other. They want to pe- they they want to hire people who would love their neighbor as themselves. 
And that is the instruction that needs to be happening in our classrooms. And this is the message that major law firms are giving. Uh, they're done with it. The New York Times published the letter along with an article last Tuesday, noting that two dozen Wall Street firms had already signed on to the call for top law schools to crack down on discrimination and harassment amid an escalation in, in incidents targeting Jewish students. And I and I think we're going to see this happen more and more and more in terms of employers demanding that these colleges do something about it. And it's not just going to be in the field of law. Well, I think we're going to start seeing this in several fields. I mean, we don't want it. We, we don't want it. Parents don't want it. They're upset. Students don't want it. They're walking out of classrooms. Employers don't want it. They're demanding that law schools change their ways. Some of the largest law firms in the country have a message for the deans of law schools who have tolerated anti-Semitic activities conducted by their students. Joe Petlin posted on X, sharing a photo of the letter. Quote, if you want your graduates to get good jobs in our law firms, stop producing anti-Semites. Is it, can it be made any more clear than that? Can it? Just stop it. Stop producing students who hate. Stop it. Ah, I love it. Absolutely love it. Over the last several weeks, we have been alarmed at reports of anti-Semitic harassment, vandalism, and assaults on college campuses, including rallies calling for the death of Jews and the elimination of the state of Israel. Such anti-Semitic activities would not be tolerated at any of our firms, the letter read. We also would not tolerate outside groups engaging in acts of harassment and threats of violence as has always been occurring on many of your campuses. Translation, what's happening on your, on your campuses, we're not going to tolerate anymore. I mean, we saw this take place uh, at the Capitol. All of the sudden, I mean, you had masses of people uh, in, in, in support of, of Palestinian um I don't know what philosophy of the Palestinian. Uh, and, and here's the thing. I think we all want to help and we all care about the Palestinian people. Our frustration is not bent towards the Palestinian people. I think we have to draw that distinction between the people and the Hamas leadership who is unilaterally destroying the people. But you have these, these individuals that all of a sudden just gather out of nowhere in Washington, D.C. in support of Palestine. And on the surface, yeah, I, I mean, okay, you know, support people. But the true depth of it is they're actually supporting Hamas. They're supporting these leaders that say that uh, – that they're Palestine, when in fact, mm, no, uh, I'm sorry, you're, you're terrorists. You're evil, and you're terrorists, and your lives are, are filled with hatred. Your terrorism is filled with hatred. Your philosophy is filled with hatred. So stop it. And and, and so they're, they're at the Capitol 
they're damaging and destroying property everywhere they go. The the monuments. I mean, I'm sure you saw the the pictures of of the monuments. Uh, you know, they're spray painted. Um, you, you know, there's signs, there's slogans painted on the on the national monuments. Uh, these people don't care. They don't. They don't care about our traditions. They don't care about American traditions. They don't care about American monuments. They don't care about American values. Why, if they're not getting their way, um, they're, they're going to damage property. They're going to take their ball and they're going to go home. They're going to get upset about it. They're they're going to kick and scream. And they're going to get in a microphone and they're going to holler. And they're going to demand their way. Um, no, uh-uh. this is not going to get you anywhere in life. This is This is going to get you a dead end. And that's what these law firms are saying to these these big time, big name college campuses, these college presidents, these college deans, these law firms are saying, you better get your act together over there because you're 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 not gonna have employable students graduating from your schools. Translation, if you don't have employable students graduating from your schools, students are not gonna want to go to your schools and graduate because they know they're not employable. Come on, college deans. Uh-huh. Think about it. Come on, presidents. Think about it. Put two and two together for a second. Take off your woke helmet and, and put on some common sense. Woke helmet. The law firms went on to argue that as institutes of higher learning, law schools had a responsibility to educate students in an environment where they were encouraged to engage civilly especially with those whose opinions and views were different than their own. Oh, so there's this notion of civil engagement. Yeah, so when, when you're talking to someone who, who does not agree with your point of view, instead of shouting them down and calling them names, uh, maybe try understanding where they're coming from. Maybe try having this 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 civil discussion. I mean, that's what the law firms are saying here to these, these college presidents. These are the types of individuals that we think would work best in a courtroom. These are the types of individuals we want employed at our law firms. So these are the types of individuals you need to start producing. Just get on it. Just stop playing around. Stop being dumb and just, quote, as employers who recruit from each of your law schools, we look to you to ensure your students who hope to join our firms after graduation are prepared to be an active part of workplace communities that have zero tolerance policies for any form of discrimination or harassment. Not selective. Uh Uh-uh. I mean, it's not like you can come here and discriminate against whoever you want. Um, it's not like you can come here and 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 have uh, have discrimination protection f- for yourself, but then just you know offer discrimination to the guy in the cubicle next to you. Uh-uh. But we don't tolerate any form of discrimination or harassment, much less the kind that has been taking place on some law school campuses. The letter continued. Oh, we need more of this. We need we need more of these letters. We need more people in leadership 
writing these types of letters. Uh-huh. That's what we need. We need more CEOs and leadership that's willing to, to put their, their foot down. Um, I've got another article here somewhere where um, the billionaire of that hedge fund, I mean, he's, he's back at it. He is, I'll have to pull that up after the break. I mean, he is, uh, he's fit to be tied. At least one of the undersigned firms, Davis, Polk, and Wardwell, has already rescinded job offers to students who signed on to letters blaming Israel for the October 7 attacks. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> we talked about that. We covered it. We uh, And apparently, uh, they have rescinded job offers, plural. We discussed one, and it was from the... Uh, it was the student at New York University, the law school there. She was the um, she was the student head of the of the law school, and this uh, she she got her job offer rescinded. But but the fact that there's plural, oh man, absolutely love it. Come on, let's let's rescind more job offers. Let's put our money where our mouth is. Oh yeah, let's let's make our words actually mean something, and let's rescind some offers. And I think that that's what they're doing here with these these college presidents and deans. They're 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 putting their money right where it needs to be. They're they're saying, look, words mean things, and the words that we are saying to you specifically mean things. And you should probably follow. You should probably do what uh, do what we say. Take our advice. If you want to continue being a reputable law school where students want to come and graduate and be gainfully employed afterwards. We suggest that you you get rid of the hate. Get rid of the hate. That's what we've got to do. We've got to get rid of the hate. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's what we need more of. That's what we need more of in our in our schools. All right, we'll pick more of this up on the other side of the break. You are listening to The Dean's List on America Out Loud Talk Radio. Nurses Out Loud Talk Radio want to introduce you to ASEA Redox Cell Signaling Molecules. It is more than just a wonderful natural product. Redox molecules are native to the human body. Redox molecules enable your body to turn on its inner doctor so your body can heal itself the way it did naturally when you were young. Check out americaoutloud.shop, look for ASEA cell signaling molecules liquid supplement, and check out Nurse Michelle's recent favorite ASEA product, Renew 28 Revitalizing Redox Gel, because this gel helped get me through some significant muscular pain during my healing process following a recent canoeing accident when I broke my hip. Give it a try for your aches and pains and let Nurses Out Loud hear how your health has improved. The pandemic may be over for some. But millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-haul effects of toxic spike protein from COVID-19 and the vaccines. You've heard Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company discuss the harmful effects of spike protein in your body. And now they found the solution, the miracle enzyme natokinase. Their spike support formula contains natokinase the most compelling and scientifically supported approach to safely clear spike protein out of the body. 
What's more, spike support is optimized with other all-natural, non-GMO ingredients, like dandelion root, to help prevent spike protein from binding to your cells. Everyone should take daily spike support so you can feel your best. America Out Loud listeners can go to outloudcare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Welcome back to the Dean's List. I'm Dean Bowen. You are listening to America Out Loud Talk Radio. You can find us here every weekday, Monday through Friday at the 2 p.m. Eastern time slot. And we are happy that you are joining us today. Congratulations on making it to the Dean's List and being one of the smart ones. We're talking about really the country just standing up, people in leadership standing up, parents standing up, students standing up and just putting their foot down and saying, here's what we want, and here is when we want it. We want you to just stop being being evil. Stop promoting hatred. Uh, you know, these, the, uh, these major law firms have all signed on to this letter to some of the top law schools in the country saying, stop producing students who hate Jews. Jews, stop producing anti-Semites. Stop fostering hatred. Because that's what critical race theory fosters. It fosters hatred. That's what diversity, equity, and inclusion fosters. It fosters hatred. Dean, I mean, diversity, equity, and and inclusion, it just sounds so nice. I mean, don't we want diversity? Don't we want equity? And don't we want everyone to be included? Oh, those are such great words. And yes, we do want diversity. Uh, but these folks that are promoting diversity, equity, and inclusion, they're, they're not looking for diversity for all. No, they want to diversify to the extent that they have their people in the place where they want them. You know, let, let's say, for example, you went to a college where there, let's say 60% of the students were Republican and 40% were Democrats. The DEI folks would come in and say, we need to diversify. Well, you'd think, okay, I mean, 50-50 sounds good. Let's 50-50, 50 Republican, 50 Democrat. The the DEI folks would say, Mm-mm, no, we have to diversify more. We need 60% Democrat and 40% Republican. No, we need to diversify more. 80% Democrat and 20%. No, we need to, we need 99% Democrat, 1%. That's, that's the name of the game here. They want to, quote unquote, diversify as long as they are, are treating their people right, as long as they are bringing in those that they want, as long as they are protecting the group they want protected the most, all right, as long as they're including the group they want to include the most. Um, you know, Christians? No, we don't need to include Christians. Less diversity when it comes to Christians. Uh-huh. It's it's uh, equity. No, it's not. There is no equity. Everything, every word that they use, they uh, the actual definition is the opposite for how they use it. All right, I found this article during the break. Uh, Bill Ackman, he is the uh, the billionaire hedge fund manager of, of Pershing Square, and he's at it again. I, this guy is 
He's a flamethrower, and we love him for it. Uh, Ackman tore into his alma mater's diversity, equity, and inclusion program. During a phone interview with CNBC, yes, his alma mater is Harvard. Okay, this will be the second time he's torn into Harvard over the last couple of weeks. He said after reviewing the initiative, which, you know, the, the, the DEI initiative, diversity, equity, and inclusion. After reviewing the initiative, he said it shows favor to specific groups while excluding certain demographics, such as Asians or the Jewish community. You are hitting the nail on the head, Mr. Ackman. Yes, it's about time somebody with some brains started reviewing the DEI programs at, at some of these colleges, especially woke Harvard. You know, when they say they want to diversify, when they say they want to include, they're actually excluding certain groups. You know, Ackman says Asians and, and, and Jews, and I'm sure also whites. And conservative Christians can't have those guys. Uh-uh. Can't have those whack jobs over here at Harvard. The Harvard people probably don't talk like that, do they? We can't have those whack jobs over here at Harvard. Yeah, yeah, that's more like it. I I always thought DEI was for all marginalized groups, Ackman said. Okay, my ignorance. Mm -hmm. I've been ignorant on this. Uh, because DEI is not for all marginalized groups. No, it's only for specific groups, uh, specifically the liberal groups. That's it. If you're extremely liberal, then you know what? We're going to make sure DEI is for you. We're going to make sure that you, you have diversity, you have equity, and you're certainly included. But you got to be liberal. And I mean extremely liberal. If you're an Asian student, he says, that is a victim of prejudice at Harvard, you don't contact Harvard's DEI office. They don't work for you. And that is really, really wrong. Oh, yeah. They're going to, oh, Asian, I'm sorry. No, you're going to have to, you know, go down the street. You're going to have to call this number, you know, 1 800 EAT, you know, fill in the blank. Ackman further suggested that conservative students at the Cambridge, Massachusetts campus have fallen under the definition of the most marginalized group at Harvard. Since 2018. You know what? That's probably even since longer than 2018, Mr. Ackman. Conservative students, and we could also say conservative Christian students. Yeah, they are the most marginalized group. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. And this just isn't at Harvard, though. This is this is across the landscape. Because you got to get rid of conservatism and uh, conservatism, and you've got to get rid of Christianity. You can't have those two things. I mean, those things are, well, they're standing in our way. They're standing in our way to success. They're standing in our way to Marxism. DEI efforts have been launched in academic institutions and other major American organizations nationwide in recent years to essentially reduce the level of so-called microaggressions and biases in such environments while requiring more diversity in the selection or hiring process. Your organization has 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 uh, too many microaggressions, too many biases. There's um, there's too many white people. Yeah, there's there's too many white people. You need to hire fewer white people, so you'll have fewer microaggressions and fewer biases. Because I mean, if you're white, you're racist. 
sorry, that's just the way it is. If you're white, you're an aggressor and, and you like to engage in these microaggressions. Oh boy. But those efforts have faced backlash as at least 30 states have considered passing legislation to defund DEI programs in public universities and state agencies. Oh, and I've, I've got an article here. Another article, which I I hope I have time to get to. I mean, it just it goes through these states that are really uh, putting the whomping on on DEI programs in public universities, and it is glorious. It is fantastic. I'm telling you, America, we're fighting back. It's the pushback against wokeism. But if you don't hear about it, then you don't know about it, and you feel isolated, and you think that you're all alone, and you think we're losing. I'm here to tell you we're not losing. I mean, the media would love for you to think if you're a conservative Christian or if you're just conservative or if you're just Christian, you're losing and therefore you're a loser. Uh Uh-uh. No, I'm here to tell you the exact opposite, which happens to be the truth in this case. Meanwhile, left and right-leaning ideologues have expressed grievances toward the initiative saying either little progress has been made or it only hurts rather than helps institutions advance. Uh, Yeah, so there's people on both sides of the aisle, according to this article, that are blasting these states and they're uh, defunding DEI programs in public universities. You know what? Maybe it's not going as fast as you want it to go, but Uh, you know, slow and steady wins the race. Take what you can get and just keep moving forward. You know, if you don't hit a grand slam every time, you know, sometimes you got to play small ball. Ackman suggested the program should focus on protecting historically marginalized minority groups from a tyranny of the majority. Now, that's what a true DEI, that's true diversity, equity, and inclusion. Protecting marginalized groups from a tyranny of the majority. But that's not the case here. And it never is the case when you have Marxists uh, promoting DEI. No, it's the opposite. Again, I keep telling you the narrative, everything they say, just look at the actual opposite definition because that's what they're doing. Everything that they claim the conservatives are doing, that's exactly what they're doing. Oh, it's just right out of their playbook. Ackman said, that's what DEI, in my mind, should be about. Those people are at risk of being taken advantage of, of being harmed, of being emotionally harmed. And DEI should be protecting them. Ackman's latest remarks follow his criticisms against Harvard University President Claudine Gay in a lengthy letter where he accused her of creating an environment where anti-Semitism could thrive and Jewish students attacked by pro-Hamas activities. And we covered this. This was a couple of weeks ago, and he went off, uh, and we 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 praised him for it. He attributed a portion of the problem to the university's DEI office, which Ackman said uh, the office's statement made clear that it, quote, does not support Jewish, Asian, and non-LGBTQ white students. Oh, look, if you're white but you're not homosexual, you know, just leave. We're not going to support you. If you're Jewish, uh, keep on walking. We're not. If you're Asian, uh-uh. Sorry, you don't belong here. He urged a gay to take immediate action to reduce anti-Semitism on campus. 
man. In other words, Jews and others who are not on the above list are not welcome to join, he wrote in his letter to Gay. It's abundantly clear that the campus culture that is being fostered at Harvard today is not one where everyone is included, feels a sense of belonging, welcomes diversity, or is a place where everyone can thrive. Yeah, that is the absolute truth. Oh, but listen to listen to how, how Gay responds. Gay, who took the helm as Harvard's president only four months ago, reportedly condemned the brutal attack by Hamas and has since appointed a team to combat the growing anti-Semitic problem on campus. Well, it took her a minute to do that. It, it took her a minute to condemn what, what Hamas was doing. Quote, as we grapple with this resurgence of bigotry, I want to make one thing absolutely clear. Anti-Semitism has no place at Harvard. That's what Gay said during remarks given at the Harvard Hillel Shabbat dinner on October 27th. She continued, As president, I am committed to tackling this pernicious hatred with the urgency it demands. Anti-Semitism has a very long and shameful history at Harvard. For years, this university has done too little to confront its continuing presence. No longer. Holy cow. Talk about throwing every other president of Harvard under the bus. I mean, if I'm going down, I'm not going down alone. I'm taking you guys down with me. This bigotry at Harvard has been, at Harvard has been happening for far too long. Well, no longer. I'm going to confront its continuing presence. So now she's the savior where the other past pres presidents have just dropped the ball and failed miserably, she becomes the... Oh, man. You know what would be great is if we just done away with all of it. If we taught our students to love your neighbor as yourself, and then we taught them math and reading and writing. We taught them moral philosophy. Uh, you know, we we educated them on the things they needed to be educated on but told them, love your neighbor as yourself, and you live in the freest country on the planet, so go pursue your dreams and go help somebody while you're at it. Can you imagine if that was our theme? Can you imagine if that's what our K-12 public institutions taught or our, our higher education institutions taught if they just said, you live in the greatest country on the planet, go pursue your dreams and help somebody along the way? Love your neighbor as yourself. What if we could get back to that? Mm, yes. I'm telling you. I'm telling you we can do it. We live in the freest country on the planet. We can do it. All right. We will pick up a history lesson on the other side of this break. You are listening to The Dean's List on America Out Loud Talk Radio. Change in the world one person at a time. Here, we take on the challenges of our generation so that we can preserve future generations. We know that if America fails, the world will fail. It is incumbent upon us to carry the torch for liberty. America Out Loud Talk Radio. It's a fight for the soul of humanity. We know you love the versatility and portability of the Genesis Fogger, but sometimes you just want to set it and forget it. 
Well, we heard you. Introducing the UX4 HOCL Atomizer. This stationary unit quietly protects you and is perfect for smaller spaces. With over a quarter million units sold in Japan, it's now available in the United States. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud to see the UX4 in action and receive a 15% discount on either Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you're ready for anything. How can you improve your odds of staying healthy? The answer is stay healthy with Cofix RX. Who's got time for a cold, strep, a flu, HRV, RSV, or COVID anyhow? Cofix has some great news. Besides being featured as a top five product in the drugstore news, we completed the protocol that you've heard Dr. McCullough talk about. Cofix RX is already famous for a powerful virus-hostile nasal solution, and now we have a throat spray too. Crush those nasty germs before they become a problem. With known antiviral support ingredients like povidone iodine, xylitol, and vitamin D3, you can feel a little safer. For a limited time, when you add the new Cofix RX throat spray to your order, you'll receive 25% off the entire purchase. Just click the Cofix RX banner on the America Out Loud website or store. Be sure to use promo code OUTLOUD25 at checkout. Don't forget, OUTLOUD25 at checkout. Welcome back to the Dean's List. I'm Dean Bowen. You are listening to America Out Loud Talk Radio. We are happy to have you on board. Thank you for joining us today. And it's been a good week. I think so. Um, you know, parents are <clears throat> parents and students are 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 protesting. They're they're leaving classes. That's always a good thing. When you're demanding action to take place, um, yeah, you know, there are other things that that are are frustrating and uh, not going the way we'd like them to go. But all in all. I think we have to look to hope. We have to look to hope that as Americans, we can take this country back. We can wrestle it from the dying grip of the Marxist regime. And it is a dying grip. I I, I don't believe that Marxists will be victorious. I don't believe the progressive left will be victorious. I think the American spirit will rise up and the American spirit will be victorious. That is what I think. And so I would like to end today and this week. Let's go to another history class. Come on. Uh, I'd like to end on a historical note. Today, November 10th, the U.S. Marine Corps can actually trace its origins. Uh-huh. November 10th, 1775, during the Revolutionary War, Continental Congress called for two battalions of Continental Marines to be raised. Their mission was to provide security aboard Navy ships, conduct ship-to-ship fighting, and serve as landing troops. So um, the Marines were part of the Navy, hence the name Marine. Tradition has it that the Tun Tavern in Philadelphia served as the first Marines recruiting post. It was a tavern. Of course it was. The very first recruiting post for a, a Marine, the tradition has it, was a tavern in Philadelphia. The Marines' first landing, led by Captain Samuel Nicholas, came in March 1776 at New Providence in the Bahamas. 
where they seized British cannons, shells, and powder. The first action, mm, you know they loved it. The Marines were disbanded after the Revolutionary War. Then they reformed in 1798. And this was during the uh, Barbary Pirates incidents. The U.S. Marine Corps has served in every major armed conflict in American history. As a force in readiness, its missions range from amphibious assaults to counterterrorism operations. The Marine Corps flag is a scarlet banner that carries a yellow and gray image of a globe, which symbolizes service in any part of the world. It also carries an anchor, a reminder of the amphibious nature of Marines' duties and that the Marine Corps is an actual partner of the U.S. Navy. An eagle stands on the globe, holding in its beak a scroll inscribed with the Marine Corps motto, Semper Fidelis, which means always faithful. Below a large scroll reads United States Marine Corps. The flag's design dates back to 1939. So today is in uh, it's it's a birthday birthday for the Marines. We are celebrating the Marine Corps, and tomorrow, of course, is Veterans Day. In the early morning hours on November 11th, 1918, representatives of France, Britain, and Germany met in a railroad car in France to sign an armistice ending World War I or the Great War, the war to end all wars as it was known at the time. The ceasefire took effect at 11 a.m. that day, which was the 11th hour, the 11th day of the 11th month. Up and down the trenches, after four long years of the most horrific fighting the world had yet known, the guns fell silent. The roar stopped like a motor car hitting a wall, one U.S. soldier wrote to his family. Soldiers on both sides slowly climbed out of the earthworks. Some danced, some cheered, some cried for joy, some stood numbed. The Great War had left nine million soldiers dead and another 21 million wounded. No one knows how many millions of civilians died. Much of Europe lay in ruins. But finally, with the armistice, it was all quiet on the Western Front. For many years, November 11 was known as Armistice Day to honor those who fought in World War I. In 1954, Congress changed the name to Veterans Day to recognize all American veterans. Every November 11th at 11 a.m., the nation pays tribute to its war dead with the laying of a presidential wreath at the tomb of the unknown soldier in Arlington National Cemetery outside Washington, D.C. But Veterans Day honors more than the dead. Memorial Day observed in May is for remembering soldiers who lost their lives in the service of their country. Veterans Day is set aside to honor and thank all who have served in the U.S. Armed Forces, particularly our 23 million living veterans. And so uh, today, uh, uh, really Veterans Day is tomorrow, but today I want to honor all of our veterans. My father-in-law fought uh, in Vietnam. My uncles fought in the Pacific during World War II. I have a nephew who served a couple tours in Afghanistan, and many of our graduates here at Waterbrook decide that they want to go into the military. 
and and they've gone into um I don't know if every branch has been represented, but uh, there are many of them that make that decision. And so today we honor them. Uh, this week we had Grandparents Day in the building. And um, Monday and Wednesday, we, we break Grandparents Day up over a couple of days and we invite them in the building. And, um, you know, we we have some entertainment for them that the orchestra plays and the choir sings and um, you know, sometimes the, the, the band will come in and play and, uh, we, we just want to bring the parents in and, you know, give them some coffee and let them hang out with their grandkids for a minute. And, you know, we ask them, those who, who serve, would you please stand so we can honor you? And, you know, watching these, these grandpas, these dads and uncles stand, um, you know, they're just humble men. <laughs> None of them are out there, um braggadociously saying look what i have done look look at me it's just you know almost like they don't want to be recognized and and we honor them for that we owe them a, a great gratitude we we owe them our thanks it's it's because of their willingness to defend freedom that we have freedom it's because of their willingness and their desire to sacrifice and to volunteer and to put themselves in harm's way on a minute-by-minute -minute basis. It's because of that willingness that, that we have this, this beautiful thing called America, that, that we have the rights that, that we still enjoy. We still enjoy the freedom of speech. You know, I'm I'm still allowed to to come to America out loud every weekday at 2 p.m. and still speak my mind freely. I, I still have that right. Granted, that right is under assault, but I still have it. Uh, you know, we still have the right to to worship how we see fit. Granted, that right is under assault and has been for decades. But we still have it, and we st we still need to continue to fight for it. As Americans, we need to continue to fight for our unalienable rights to honor those who have you know paid the ultimate price for those rights. We need to fight on on the daily basis for our parental rights, and we need to be constantly fighting for our right to self defense. Uh, for our right to speak freely, for our right to worship freely. Because if we don't, then we dishonor the men and women who have given their lives for those rights. And this is a great time to do it. It's a great time to remember who we are and who this country is, what, what, what this country represents. There's a French-American by the name of J. Hector St. John de Crevacour. He died November 12th, 1813. So I guess the, the, the anniversary of his death will be this weekend. He left behind a vivid portrait of life on the 18th century American frontier. Crevacour had emigrated to the New World in 1755 and eventually settled on a farm in New York. 
his impressions published in England in 1782 as letters from an American farmer still offer insights about the American character. And we, and we have to remember this sort of thing. We have to remember who we are. And uh, letters from an American farmer needs to, to be read in history classes all over the country. Because our students need to, to know what, what was it like? What was it like to truly be an American here in the early days? Uh, you know, they don't get that now. They understand that, you know, everything that you go through, you have to look at it through the lens of race. What you are experiencing is happening because of your race. No, it has nothing to do with the way you think or the decisions you make or who you hang out with or um, or your skill set. Uh-uh. It has nothing to do. It, everything to, to do with your race. Um, your race determines everything. That's what our that's what our kids are, are are taught today. And they need to go back and read letters from an American farmer. Uh, published in England in 1782. So the war is coming to a close. And this <laughs> this is so great. This Frenchman who has become an American publishes this the, the these letters of um or a letter. Um, about what it means to be an American, an American farmer, and and has it published in England. Uh, it's just rich. I'll just read uh, an excerpt, but I mean, you you can find it online. Letters from an American farmer. I encourage you to find it, read it. It's not very long. What then is the American? This new man, he asks. He is an American who leaving behind him all his ancient prejudices and manners, receives new ones from the new mode of life he has embraced, the new government he obeys, and the new rank he holds. He becomes an American by being received in the broad lap of our great alma mater. Here, individuals of all nations are melted into a new race of men, whose labors and posterity will one day cause great changes in the world. That was prophetic. That was absolutely prophetic. He could see. He continues, Americans are the Western pilgrims who are carrying along with them that great mass of arts, sciences, vigor, and industry, which began long since in the East. They will finish the great circle. The American ought, therefore, to love this country much better than that which wherein either he or his forefathers were born. Love this country more than the one you left. Because this country gives you opportunity that you didn't have previously. Love this country more than the one you left because here you're going to experience some freedom that you didn't experience previously. And it's that freedom, it's that opportunity that's going to raise you up. This is the, uh, the, the letter that Benjamin Banneker wrote to Jefferson. We, we visited that letter yesterday. Um, and Banneker said, um, I'm paraphrasing, but you know, he said, it's because we haven't had the opportunity. It's because Black people haven't had the opportunity 
to show our intellect. But but here, as a free man, Banneker had the opportunity and pursued it with a vengeance and displayed his intellect and put that display on in, in front of Jefferson, who uh, was duly impressed with that display. And matter of fact, sent it over to to France and and continue to d- display it for Banneker. Uh, we, we have opportunities here, opportunities in this country that we still possess, that if we would just, if we would just grab hold of, if we would just teach our, our students and our children, you have every opportunity afforded to you to succeed based upon your willingness to pursue that opportunity, not based upon your race, not based upon uh, what religion you are, not based upon what your gender is or your skin color, but based upon your willingness to pursue the opportunity. You have the opportunity for greatness based upon your willingness to pursue that opportunity for greatness. That's, that's the message that needs to be sent home to our students, to our graduating students we should be paying somebody $100,000 over the period of three years to come in and teach that instead of this racist garbage that they're teaching. Instead of paying someone over a period of three years over a hundred grand to come in and teach our kids how to be racist, how to, how, to, how to use midbrain function and react according to skin color as opposed to a frontal lobe function and, and actually analyze the character of the individual. That's what needs to be taught. That's what we need to be presenting, not only in history classrooms all over the country, but in classrooms in general all over the country. That needs to be our focus on on this opportunity for greatness that we have. But of course, we have Marxists that are running education in in many places, and, and they don't want that to be the focus because they want division. They want one group to turn on the other group. You know, they want males to turn on females, and then they want uh, females to turn on males, and then they want black people to turn on white people, and white people to turn on black people, and then brown people to get in the mix, and um, you know, and and the poor to turn on the wealthy, and and the and the older to turn on the younger, and they just want class warfare. Because if they can create chaos, then they can come up with a solution to that chaos. And then they can be deemed the saviors of the world and follow us because our methods are amazing. While the Pied Piper leads the kids to their doom, ultimately. You know, but but here we have this letter in 1782, letters from an American farmer. And um, he's saying that the American ought, therefore, to love this country much better than that wherein either he or his forefathers were born. Love it here more than anywhere. He, he continues, here the rewards of his industry follow with equal steps the progress of his labor. Talk about equality. There it is, kids. There it is. The rewards of our industry follow in equal step with the progress of our labor. The amount of effort and energy and labor we're going to put into a thing is going to equal the reward that we're going to get out of it. It's going to equal um, 
the effort. It's going to equal the outcome. Oh, you, you, oh, you can't have that. Outcome must be equal across the board. Equal outcomes for everybody. Everybody has to have the same and be the same. Everybody should receive the same pay. Everybody should do the exact same work. Equal outcomes. We should all strive for this equality. Well, this French-American in 1782 said that the rewards of our industry will follow in equal steps with the progress of our labor. So the equality comes in into the labor. We all have this, this equal measure of opportunity. That's what we have. We're not guaranteed an equal outcome. We are guaranteed an equal measure of opportunity. Well, you, uh, you, you, you're white. You have more opportunities than people who aren't white. Don't tell that to Benjamin Banneker. Do not tell that to Benjamin Banneker, who, uh, whose parents were, were were slaves, and he made every opportunity because he had it available to him here in America. And the man was a genius, a blooming genius, to the point where Jefferson said, I want that guy to, to help lay out Washington, D.C. He needs to he needs to be on the team of people that are laying out the Capitol. This man's a genius. Yeah, don't tell Benjamin Banneker that that he didn't have the same opportunities as somebody else. Because he made sure he had the same opportunities because he believed in what Jefferson wrote that all men were created equal and endowed with their creator with certain unalienable rights. Our students today need to believe that, that that is still existent here in America, that we are still endowed with our creator with certain unalienable rights. And we have the ability to pursue these rights. Among them, our life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness, it's not exhaustive, that's just a few. But, you know, those are chiefly, you know, the, the ones that Jefferson put at the top of the list, but that does not exhaust the list. We have unalienable rights, and we have this glorious ability to pursue every opportunity that we want to pursue as Americans. We just have to put it in our mind to go after it. And if we teach our kids that, if we teach our kids to love each other, love your neighbor as yourself, and then go after every opportunity that's being afforded to you. Look out for those that are that are next to you. Look out for one another. But in the process, go after every opportunity. Because you, you have this, this beautiful canvas laid out in front of you, and you can go after it. Here, according to... J. Hector St. John de Crevacor, here the rewards of his industry follow with equal steps the progress of his labor, without any part being claimed either by a despotic prince, a rich abbot, or a mighty lord. Nobody can, can claim the labor. Nobody can claim the rewards of industry that are an equal step with that labor. It's all yours. It is all yours. The American is a new man, he says, 
who acts upon new principles, which is true. These were brand new principles. This whole idea of freedom, this whole idea of self-government, brand spanking new. What? You mean there isn't a king that's going to tell me what I have to do? Why? I don't even know how to function. Yeah, these are brand new principles. He must, therefore, entertain new ideas and form new opinions from involuntary idleness, servile dependence, penury and useless labor. He has passed to toils of a very different nature, rewarded by ample subsistence. This is an American. Ah, Isn't that rich? Come on, don't you just love that? We have to form new opinions, new ideas. We got to put away the involuntary idleness, servile dependence. I mean, we're, we're now independent. Let's rely on ourselves. Let's rely on our own fortitudes. Let's stop relying on the king or the governor or, or, or this person or that person. Let's rely on ourselves. Let's become independent. He has passed to toils of a very different nature, rewarded by ample subsistence. Yeah, we have brand new toils, but it's our own effort and our own labor. And we're going to be rewarded richly for it. This is an American. Ah, this is so good. And if we were if we were teaching our students really what it meant to be an American and what we have available to us, what we what we have before our very eyes, the potential that we have, the ability that we have, the prosperity that that awaits us if we will only just put forth an effort. We taught our kids that. We taught our kids to love each other. If we if if our kids were raised in an environment that they saw everything was possible, didn't matter what color your skin was, everything is possible, go after it and love each other. This country would would be amazing. And 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 this is the opportunity we have. We have to defeat the Marxists who are are now in the interior. They're now inside. They're inside the walls. We have to defeat them and defeat their desires of overthrowing the hearts and minds of our kids because that's where it lies. That's where it lies. Okay. I wish we had more time, but we don't. Uh, More history class to come in the future. Thank you for joining me today, America. Invite your friends and family to get on the Dean's List. Let's unite to renovate the age.